If a cop is wearing cheap yet fashionable clothing made in China, does that make her a murderer? Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. So Slate Money is talking about fast fashion, which I don't really know anything about, but I'll just, whatever, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I know now. Apparently, I mean, this is for women, right? So all my listeners are men, um, you know, so your wife or maybe your daughter or the girl across the street, um, she might be into fast fashion. And I think it just, it basically means cheap clothing. Sounds like women's clothing has gotten very, very cheap. Like it's not high quality. You wear it a few times and throw it away. But, you know, if you want to be on the, I guess everyone, you know, even if you're living in the middle of America, everyone can be on the hipster cutting edge of what's fashionable because because fast fashion, you can get it on Amazon or whatever, some some website called Shine, I think, and uh, boom, you know, you're wearing the you're wearing just as hip a thing in Indiana in the, Indiana as they are in New York because it comes in the mail. And they said, you know, if you got a five dollar pair of jeans, then someone's being exploited. And I think they're exaggerating about the cost of how cheap the jeans are, but. Anyways, you know, it's made in China, and the people who make it have to work 75 hours a week, and they're not happy. You know, the usual stuff for made in China. But so, you know, China is famous for stealing intellectual property, you know, like, whatever, how to build stuff, but also apparently fashion. And so, like, they tell this story of some Instagram influencer. I I look for a picture. I bet she's smoking hot, but I couldn't find a picture of this girl, but, um... So some girl on Instagram, she went to a thrift store and got herself a little vest and, you know, took took a picture of herself in that vest and the vest looked good, she looked good, whatever. Basically, it went viral on Instagram. And then, so in China, they go, they, they look on Instagram, they probably got someone who checks Instagram every day, and they go, hey, look, this, this vest from a thrift store is blowing up. And so, boom, they just started, they just copied that vest and started selling it for cheap. And apparently they do that, like, you know, I don't, I don't go on Etsy much. Etsy is like a, it's like eBay, but you make the stuff yourself, whatever. They'll go on Etsy, find a, you know, what scarf is selling really good, you know, some handmade scarf that's selling really good on Etsy, and then boom, they'll just copy that and sell it for seven bucks. So that's fast fashion. Like, you know, like I say, I think this is just a, it's for women. I mean, I wear Carhartt stuff, it lasts forever, I'm not throwing nothing away. But then they had another interesting fact, which is that, bras are difficult to make for whatever reason it's very well whatever you got to contour the bra to the breast obviously and that requires much more difficult sewing apparently than normal clothing and so there is no fast fashion version of bras bras are always expensive so that was kind of interesting and then one of the, one of the girls on the show is like what about sports bras Basically, sports bras for women with small breasts are easy to make, but if they're for women with larger breasts, all of a sudden you're running into the same old problem of being very difficult to sew. The Kim Potter trial is about to go to the jury. That's the one where, uh, see, Dante Wright was a 20-year-old black man. Uh, Kim Potter was a whatever... 20 year, you know, 20 years of uh, experienced police officer, and she was like, Taser, 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 and she shot him with her, with her gun by accident. And so it's kind of a funky, it's a funky case. Like, I don't think, I don't think anyone knows which way it's going to go. 
And the reason why is because the law is not super clear on it. Like if she had shot him with her gun on purpose, then that probably would have been considered justified and end of story. I mean, maybe because of the races involved, they still would have charged her with something, but it actually probably would have been easier for her to get off if she had meant to shoot him with the gun. The issue is she meant to shoot him with a taser and she pulled the wrong, you know, she's got a taser on her left, gun on her right, and she pulled the wrong thing. And there's tons of video of it. There's, you know, three cops and all their body cams, plus there was a dash cam that really got a good angle on the whole scene. I guess to recall what happened, so she's the training officer, so she's just riding along with a, a, a younger cop who's learning stuff or whatever. Needs to be sh chaperoned. And that cop somehow decided that uh, a car was looking suspicious. I think they, uh, it had expired tags. It had expired tags. Um, so they pulled it over. And then they found out that Dante Wright, 20-year-old Dante Wright, uh, had a warrant for his arrest for a weapons charge of some sort. Gun. And somehow another cop shows up, so now there's three cops, and so I think the other cop goes around, to, oh that's right, there's a restraining order, I think, also on Dante Wright, and there's a woman in the car, a girl. And I guess, you know, if, 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 you, if you pull someone over, if you pull a man over, and there's a woman in the car, and there's a restraining order against the man, then you gotta find out who the woman is, uh... And I don't know, separate them or whatever, if it's the same woman. I think in this case, it was his new girlfriend. It was not the the baby mama, I think, is who had the restraining order against him. This is some other woman. But so I think he gets out of the car. They, you know, they get him to get out of the car. And he's like, screw this. So he jumps in the car to just take off. And he's trying to put the car into gear. And I think on the passenger side, there's a cop reaching in, trying to get him to stop him from putting it into gear and then on the driver's side there's a cop who's kind of wrestling with him and that's when kim potter the training officer is kind of standing back she yells taser 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 which makes the other two cops kind of you know get back basically get back because i'm going to tase this guy and you might get shocked and then she goes blammo and shoots him with her gun and you know kind of the idea is if someone you know if a, if a cop is half in and half out of a car then if someone tries to drive away, that's that's kind of like the suspect is possibly using, you know, you could kill you could kill someone. If you'd start driving with someone half in and half out of a car, they might, who knows what might happen to them. They might fall out and go under the back wheel, for instance. And then like these YouTube, Andrew Bronca, he's a YouTube lawyer I like to watch. And so he was talking about it. And now this is getting a little more far-fetched, but like even when the cop is not half in and half out, you know, like say the cop just pulls himself out and he's just standing there, you know, like, you know, in that split second where he's no longer half in, he's all out. If the suspect chooses reverse, then these open car doors are going to catch the cops also. But basically, you know, and if, if people are within, I don't know what, two or three feet of the car, then the car is still dangerous. Basically, a car that's about to go off on a high-speed chase and you don't know what forward or reverse is going to happen, it's it's a dangerous, this is a dangerous thing. And I don't know if that justifies uh, shooting someone in the heart, but that's what happened to him. And I think they're trying to take her down for like manslaughter one, which is a pretty hardcore charge, uh, a lot of prison time. And it's a little iffy because manslaughter one 
has the word reckless in there and recklessness it's like a legally defined thing and it's you know it's not like you know like sometimes i'm reckless you know like maybe i'll uh crumple up a piece of paper and try and throw it in the trash can from like you know 15 feet away i mean that's reckless it's not going in i'm gonna have to go pick that piece of paper up but the legal term of recklessness it you have to um there has to be, I don't know about evil intent, but you know, either evil intent or you're like, I know something real terrible could happen and I don't care. So we'll see. We'll see if uh, the jury thinks, like no one thinks she has evil intent. She's like, taser, taser, taser. Everyone pretty much agrees. The, prosecu- you know, the facts in the case are kind of interesting because the prosecution and the defense, they all got the same facts to work with because the whole thing is on video. So it kind of comes down to just how the... How the judge tells the jury, the jury instructions that are decided on by the lawyers and the judge, and then how the jury uses those instructions. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. But the defense brought up a witness, um, an expert witness, who talked about something called slip and capture. And so that was pretty interesting. It has another name that sounds better. Anyway, I forget the other name for it. But I guess there's the idea that there's kind of like, there's two, you know, it's, it's related to like muscle memory. And there's like two levels of muscle memory. Like, you know, when you walk around, you, you, don't, you don't have to think with your brain about every single step. You just do it automatically. But, I mean, I'm just making this up here. But like, say, you know, say you're not a, a hurdler. You know, you're doing hurdles where you got to jump over those things. Now, if you went and did some hurdles just for the fun of it, it'd be like, well, you know, you know how to walk up to the line you probably know how to run automatically, but you're going to have to think about it a little bit each time you do your hurdle until, until that becomes automatic also. And I forget what it is. Something like level one is stuff that's completely automatic, and level two stuff is stuff you got to think about a little bit. And so slip and capture is the idea that you're, you, sli- you slip up. I think that's what it was. You slip. So you're, do- you're doing some level two thing that you kind of can do automatically, but you kind of have to think about it. And you slip, and then you capture whatever your automatic thing was that you already learned. Shoot, I can't remember the good examples that they had for, like, everyday stuff, but apparently this is an issue. So apparently it's an issue with cops and tasers. Like, this is not the first time this thing has happened. And it's also an issue with um, airplane pilots. And I should say, it also, uh, you're more likely to slip and capture in a stressful situation. So, like, what happens to airplane pilots is maybe you're... You're used to you're used to flying a certain kind of airplane. You do that all the time, and then you know you're a pilot, so you're allowed to go fly a different kind of airplane. But if something crazy happens and you got to act real quick, you might accidentally you know pull the lever like you would on the normal on your old school airplane or the airplane you're used to doing. But this new one, you got to pull the lever some other lever, and apparently it leads to crashes sometimes. And I mean, here's the thing that makes it. I mean, this is why I kind of think. This is why I would let her off, I guess, is because apparently cops, you know, around the nation, they train on this stuff because it's a problem. It's because people are, because cops in high stress situations grab the wrong thing. So they try and train them to not do that. But, you know, because you have to train them, like, you know, if, if, you know, if, if she's the only person in the world who ever did that, then you wouldn't have to constantly train your cops and try and prevent it. But apparently it's a, it's actually a mildly common problem. And finally, you know, if this guy hadn't tried to 
whatever, jump in the car with a bunch of cops trying to wrestle him and drive away, obviously he'd be alive today. Uh, and one other thing, so it's interesting, so I listened to, I've gone back to listening to NPR in the morning, and so they just talked about this trial this morning, and they gave like a totally impartial, whatever, segment on it. They talked about, you know, here's what the prosecution is saying, here's what the defense is saying. They gave both sides. They didn't make one of them way longer than the other. It was all very impartial. Whereas like the Kyle Rittenhouse one, whatever that was, a month or two ago, um, like I listened, they, they did a segment on it one week, you know, like about a week before the end of the trial, and then they did a segment on it, I think at the end. And the one one week before the trial, they were still saying, you know, the lies, like he crossed state lines with a gun that was illegal. Um, and then the next one, they I think they, whatever, they wised up and started saying things that were true, not the classic lies that like all of the media was saying about the Rittenhouse case. So my point is, I think we're starting to turn a little bit of a corner. Like, you know, a year or two ago, People are like, yeah, Black Lives Matter. We need to riot because the cops are racist. And then now people are like, well, yeah, what, what did we get out of that? Oh, we got a giant increase in crime. Maybe uh, maybe we need to, whatever, stop lying. I mean, that's not how they think of, it, think of it themselves. But anyways, keep an eye out for that. Less lying. We'll see. Twitter handle, at Religion of Woke. And thanks for listening.